Hey, let's welcome in our online family. We got Jamaica, Puerto Rico, and Bali. What's Bali? What's up? I'm going to come see you. What's up, Bali? Hey, uh, I'm pumped about today, uh, specifically because at the end of today, I have three big announcements. So just kind of hold on to your seats for those announcements. But uh, looking at the calendar, it was actually just literally like right at a year ago that God started speaking to me to do something that's really kind of uncharted territory inside Victory, is to spend the entire year, this entire year, in one place, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the most famous sermon, the best sermon ever preached, Jesus is basically Jesus's manifesto for life in the kingdom. Um, and really why we've been in this series for the entire year is because of what Jesus says at the end of the year. He says, if you build your life on these truths that I've been saying, if you build your life on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, then it doesn't matter what storm comes your way. Come on, fam, we know the storms are coming. The storms are already here. He says, if you build your life on my truth, it doesn't matter what storm comes, you're still gonna be found standing on the other side of the storm. And we've been in this sermon basically for an entire year, and what a ride it's been, okay? And basically what we've done is we paused in certain parts of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to go a little bit deeper, okay? And so if you've been tracking with us six weeks ago, we paused here on what I think are honestly the hardest verses in the entire Bible um, because they're so sober, they're so solemn, they're so serious, what Jesus says in the middle of Matthew 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And we've called these few weeks that we've had, look both ways. And we basically said this, is that the most loving, kind advice you could ever give somebody is probably what your mama told you when you were a little kid, is to look both ways ways before you cross over to the other side, right? And we've looked at hell, we've looked at heaven, we've, we've talked about the awe of God, the fear of the Lord. We talked about false prophets, and last week we talked about false disciples, that Jesus actually says there are people who think that they are on the path that leads to Jesus, but they're really on the path that leads to hell. And so we talked about how can I know that I'm saved? And I just want to pause really quickly on some incredible news that sometimes we don't pause and rejoice enough that over the last six weeks, and especially last week, across all of Victory, we have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate last week, 374 people being water baptized. We need to celebrate this year, 1,367 people. The most people Victory has ever water baptized in the history of the church. That's amazing. Come on. But of course, that begs the next question. Now what? Like, where, where, where do we go from here? You know? So uh, last week in, in one of the lobbies, uh, we actually had a man come up and say, okay, pastor, here's the deal. We've spent the last like six weeks looking both ways. When do I get to take a step? Right, you know. Now, now here's the deal. Uh, you know, in the metaphor, the the whole idea of taking the step means you die. But so we're not doing that today. But I understand what the guy was asking. He he was saying we've been doing a lot of looking. When are we going to start walking? And that is absolutely the right question. Because here's the reality for us, guys. If when we hear Jesus say that the path to destruction, the path to hell, is broad, and most people 
walk that path. And actually the path to life, the path to Christ is actually very narrow and very few people find that way. And when we get on that path and we start walking that way and we walk through that narrow gate of Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, we can't walk through that gate and come to faith in Jesus Christ and stay the same. We, we can't. It's just not an option for us any longer because we're new. We've been made brand new people. We are born again. We are not who we used to be. We've been rescued from hell. We've been redeemed for heaven. We've been snatched from the gates of the devil and brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We've been unplugged from the matrix, somebody. And we see things and we think differently now than we ever did before. Now we have to do something. Come on, everybody say, do something. something. That was good. There's an apostrophe on the end of that. Do something. Just do something. Right? And that's why the psalmist, David, says this. Psalm 39, verse 4. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Woo! I know we don't think about that very often, but listen, you get like two breaths and you're gone. That's it. And what David is praying right here is like, God, help me to manage my breaths well. I don't get many days, so let me live well. So I won't arrive at the end of life ashamed of how I spent my breaths. So it begs the question, how should we live? And I believe this, guys. I believe this for us today. It's gonna kind of guide us over the next few minutes. Is if we could take all of life and all the choices we have to make, especially after coming into faith in Jesus Christ, and if we could boil it all the way down, if we could reduce it all the way down, this is what we'd be left with. Is that we have two choices in how we live out our days here on earth, either in comfort or with conviction. Come on, family, we have two choices. We're either going to live in comfort or with conviction. And I'm not sure about you today. I don't know where you're at today, but here's what I know. I personally know this. I am going to live in eternal comfort for eons without end. So therefore, today, I choose to live with conviction. Listen, I get, I get forever and ever and ever, amen, in comfort. So therefore, I have to be willing to not settle for comfort here, but actually to step into convictional living. Because listen, fam, like this is no surprise. I see way too many Christians today. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you. I'm, I see way too many Christians today settling into this like three little bears version of Christianity, right? Like, no, that's too hard. I don't really like that. I don't really want to do all that. Oh, this. Mm, yeah. It's just right. That doesn't require too much of me. I don't got to do too much. Oh, yes. I can just live here for another 80 years. And guys, I think one of the greatest traps that the devil has set for Christians is when we come to think, well, I'm safe from the coming storm. So I'll just kind of be a good person. I'll I'll drop a little bit in the bucket every Sunday. I'll just kind of ride this thing out. And I'll die and I'll go because I have eternal comfort laying ahead of me. But here's what we can't do, guys, and this is what too many of us are allowed to do. Too many of us have allowed our eternal comfort to make us comfortable. 
And I don't know about you, that's how I used to be. I did. And, and, and now I've been unplugged from that matrix <laughs> and I can't go back, man. I used to live for us four no more. Like that, that just dr- drive in, you know, get off work, drive in, close the garage door, not think about anybody else, just kind of live for, for me and my family, make sure we're good. Because if we're good, everybody else will get taken care of. And here's the problem, guys. A lot of us remember what we've been saved from, but we don't know what we've been saved for. How would you fill in those blanks? You know what you've been saved from. Man, I've been saved from hell. I've been saved from judgment. Oh, man, but what have I been saved for? And if you, don't, if you can't fill in that blank, you'll live in comfort. In fact, this is, this is where we even landed on this last week. The, 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 the central theology at the center of, of uh, the basic salvation, what it is, Ephesians 2.8, right? Is that for we, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's the idea, guys. You aren't saved by your works. You're saved to do good works, right? We don't work for salvation. We work from salvation. But now we've been saved by grace through Jesus's finished work. Now it's time to get to business doing some works. Like we were never made to rest in our salvation. We were made to work from our salvation because you're gonna get eternal comfort forever. Don't settle for temporal comfort today. Step into convictional living because I see way too many Christians living in do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, the comfort zone. And in fact, you know, when I think about it, the, the, the cycle, the life cycle of the comfort zone. Here's what it looks like, okay? You, every single one of you is gonna find yourself somewhere in here, okay? This is the life cycle of the comfort zone. Here's what it looks like. You get born again. Come on, somebody. Do y'all remember what that was like? Some of y'all got born again last week. You still, on, you on fire. You're like, right? Because that's what it's like. When you get born again, you're like, oh my God, God loves me. The blood of Jesus was spilled for me. You dive into the Bible. You're like in Leviticus. You don't even know talking about sacrificing doves. You're like, I don't get it, but it's awesome. That's old covenant, by the way. So you jump in the Bible, you jump into church, you start serving, you're telling everybody about Jesus, man. Isn't Jesus the best thing ever? I'm telling everybody. But as you fast forward, a little bit of time goes by and you get, you start to lose touch with your non-Christian friends, right? And so you start forgetting what it was like to be lost, and you stop talking about the gospel as much. You're not really talking about how to be saved through Christ. You're really not talking about the good news of Christ. What you're talking about is, I want the deep revelations. And you start going deeper. It's all right. You don't have lost friends anymore, but now you got Christian friends. That's good. And you just go deep and deep and deep. And these, these words start coming out of your mouth. I'm going to go to church on Sunday to get fed. Come on, pastor, feed me. And then that fire begins to fade. Your life begins to turn inward. You stop serving as much. You stop attending as much. You get really proficient in church and ease. Come on. Hey, bless the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, brother in the Lord. Hey, I just learned a new Hebrew word today. Shalom. 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 PTL. Praise the Lord, brother. Amen. Practicing my shofar lessons. It's really evangelistic. It's great. And then the worst thing ever happens. You walk in on a Sunday and some idiot had the audacity to sit in your seat. Don't you know who I am? I paid for that seat. 
right? And then, and then this thought comes into your mind. You know, I could avoid all of this mess if I just streamed at home. I don't have to mess with people sitting in my seat anymore. I don't have to mess with the traffic. I don't even have to get dressed. Please get dressed, like at least a little bit. I don't want that, I don't want that in my mind online. And what happens is this thought comes in, well, I'll just attend uh, online, right? I know I live close to a church. I used to attend one of Victory campuses. I'm just gonna kind of stay online, right? And then you start noticing after about two weeks, the worship's just not the same if you're not in the room. So you're like, I know what I'll do. I'll just start 30 minutes in. And then you're like, I don't, I miss the free, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll click on demand on YouTube on Wednesday. And then you start getting critical. Like, oh, he said something that offended me. I'm not gonna watch this week. I'll, I'll come back when he's done with that series. And then you get offended and then you're gone. And that is how you move from being on fire to being extinguished. And listen, guys, listen, listen. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but this is prophetic. Every single one of you will go through, us, we, we will go through that life cycle if we don't hit an, an exit ramp if we aren't saved by God's grace, to, to kind of pull off of that comfort zone trap of modern day Christianity. Because at the center of modern day Christianity, especially here in America, listen, this is the American church spirit, okay? This is what is called consumer Christianity. This is the consumer mentality that's crept inside the church that we need to have our eyes opened up to, okay? Let me give you a few signs of consumer Christianity. Here's the first one, constant church shopping. Okay, some of you, this is your fourth church, like this quarter that you've been a part of. Welcome here to Victory. Because you're like, I like that look both ways. But when he's done with that, I'm gonna go to an, I'm gonna go over to that one. Because I heard he's talking about that. And I heard they're talking about that. And we just kind of hop and hop and hop and hop. Why? Because we find these words coming out of our mouth. I just want to be fed. Okay, listen, my son's right here. When my son was a year old, he'd be like this. Put food in my belly. Listen, it would be different if as an 18-year-old, he's like, Daddy, Daddy, put food in my mouth. Some of y'all been saved way too long to be putting on a spiritual bib every Sunday morning, and you don't read your Bible Monday through Saturday. You don't do anything Monday through Saturday, and you walk into church on Sunday, feed me, feed me. I stream seven churches every single week, not involved in any of them. Why? Because it's about me being fed. That's consumer. I am a consumer of the gospel. I'm not a contributor to the gospel. I consume, 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 consume. I eat, I eat, I eat, and I get really fat in my faith, and I never work it out. So I'm just a fat faith Christian. <laughs> I don't know where those words were about to go, but it wasn't going to be good. And I just rest it, but I never work it out. I never work out my faith. I never exercise my faith. So I just grow and grow and grow because it's all about me being fed. All right, here's the second sign of consumer Christianity. It's a critical spirit, right? Because you're, you're walking and you're like, oh, the lights are too bright in my eyes. And oh, that, that greeter looked at me the wrong way. They're probably judging me. And, and children's ministry this, and the sermon's too much of this, and the worship's not, a, well, I didn't feel the worship today. I don't know if I'm going to come back next week. And, and this is wrong there. And, this are, and then you get asked, hey, what do you think about stepping in to help to fix some of that? Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is how I help. I have a gift of criticism. And I go around from church to church to church to tell them everything that's wrong. 
guys, I got news for you. You wanna know why the church is screwed up? It's because we're here, all of us. God's not who screws the church up, we are. So let's not point a finger and criticize it and be a Monday morning armchair quarterback. Let's actually get involved in the game. Let's be involved in fixing it. All right, third sign of, uh, of consumer mentality is minimal attendance. So, so this, we kind of have this joke around here, is that we never want anything to be too good. Right, like I'll attend uh, when it's convenient. Um, I'll attend if the weather's not too bad. I'll attend if the weather's not too good. I'll attend if the lake's not calling my name. I'll attend if my son doesn't have a game. I'll attend if there's not an NFL game. I'll attend if it's not rainy outside. I'll attend if it's not sunny outside. I'll attend if, the, if I'm not feeling bad. I'll attend if I'm not feeling good. I'll attend if the lake's not calling my name. I'll, I'll, we have this joke around here and we're like, God, I, just, I hope the weather's not really bad, but don't make it really good either. Like just make it just like kind of like, I got nothing else to do, right? So I guess I'll go to church. Because that's the way we think, right? Like, I've got all these, if I'm not on vacation, if I'm not this, I'm not that. Like, we've got all the 12 reasons not to go, and we got one reason to go. And so that's consumer mentality. If everything's just right, I'll step into it. Here's the fourth thing, lack of relationships, right? This is where we think, like, ugh, people, especially in a big church, right? Like, listen, guys, I just want to come. I want to sit in my seat. I want to worship God, and I want to go home. And don't ask me to get involved in a small group because people, <laughs> ugh, right? And I'm not one of those Christians anyways, like one of those Christians sort of anyways, you know? Yet we complain that nobody knows us, right? We're a walking dichotomy. Uh, and then the last one, what, uh, symptoms of, of consumer Christianity is unrealistic expectations of leadership, right? Don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to do anything. I pay you to do that stuff. Come on, somebody. This is the hallmark of American consumer Christianity. Remember, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the person you brought. Um, And here's the thought, right? Like, I tithe, so I pay for my ticket. Right? And my ticket bought me people that would help me get parked. And they're going to greet me on the way in. And I paid for the music. And I pay for the entertainment. It's really entertaining today. Right? And I paid for somebody to babysit for me. So that when I'm done, I can just grab my kids and go home. Somebody else will clean up because I paid them to do it. Oh, by the way, come visit me in the hospital. Even though nobody knows me. Hey, come over to my house at midnight and do marriage counseling. Even though I've never once stepped foot inside a married small group to help myself. Why? Because it's the pastor's job to do all that. And I will clap him on. Mm-mm, well done. Well, victory, today, I'm clapping back. It is all of our jobs to do the work of the ministry. All of our jobs to do the work of the ministry. The only way... All the, the only way the kingdom comes, the only way Christ ultimately comes back is when the whole bride gets in the game, gets in the game. And today is the day that we begin fighting back against this demonic, destructive, unbiblical, unchristian consumer mentality that has crept inside even the church of the living God. Okay, so here's what happened, guys. When Jesus first meets his future disciples, Peter and Andrew, or Simon, Peter and Andrew, um, they're tired, man. They're worn out. They done. They done. 
They're ready to give up. We find them here in Luke 5. It says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Well, here's what that means. It means the, the fishermen, they're done. Like I'm, I'm not using the boat anymore. I'm washing my nets. I'm finished. I'm done. Maybe for the day, maybe for the week, maybe for the month, maybe forever, right? But here's the problem, guys. Boats were made to be in the water. Boats aren't accomplishing their purpose when they're on the shore. Nets were made to catch fish, not to sit on the shore being washed. And so these guys with their boats on the, on the shore, with, the, with their nets on the shore, what they're saying is, I'm tired, I'm done, probably didn't even catch anything, verse three. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who's Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now go out where it's deeper. Come on, guys, let's say that together. Go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And guys, even as I was reading this this morning, I, 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 I just, I hear it echoing in my soul, the Lord saying, go out where it's deeper. Too many of us are playing it safe on the shore. Too many of us are in the shallows doing it like we've always done it and we're getting worn out because we're doing it in our own strength. And here's the problem, guys. We're sitting on the shore, but while we're watching from the shore, people are still drowning in the ocean. And a ship is safe in the harbor, but here's the problem. Harbors aren't what ships were made for. Ships were made to be in the sea, not in the harbor. They're safe here in the harbor. And here's the reality for us, guys. The point of your life is not to arrive safely at death. And way too many of us are hanging out on the shore because we're tired, because we're weary, because we're burned out. Maybe you were serving hard. You were going hard after God, and then COVID hit. And you're like, I, just, I need a break. I've been running really hard. Let's see. You want to count how many days it is since COVID? All right, you, you start too. It's years. How many years of rest are we gonna hide behind? Oh, I just, I don't know. It's just, just right. It just feels really comfortable right here. Not serving, not giving, not evangelizing. Not and while we're sitting in the safety of the shore, people are still drowning in the ocean. And God says, guys, you've got eternal comfort out there. It's time to go deeper today. It's time to start living convictional today. Verse five, master, Peter replied, Simon Peter. He said, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. We're worn out. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just gonna go to sleep. I just wanna sit on the shore. But if you say so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And Jesus says, don't be afraid because from now on, you're gonna be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And here's what happens, guys. These guys leave the comfort of the shore and they leave the comfort of the shallows and they press out into deeper water. And here, here's what I love, guys, is that Jesus took what they were already pretty good at, catching fish, and he just added this God fuel to it and says, you're really good at catching stuff. So instead of catching fish, you're gonna start catching people. And so let me say this as clear, clearly as I can today, guys. Comfort isn't going to work anymore. As if it ever worked. But comfort's not gonna work anymore. 
And sometimes we need to hear statements like this. I'm gonna make a really strong statement. You know, right now, there are people dying and going to hell. Right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Somebody just went to hell. Somebody just went to hell. Oh, it's not you though, don't worry about it. We're safe. At some point, somebody told you to look both ways. Somebody loved you enough to tell you to look both ways. Who are you telling to look both ways? Who are we reaching out to? Who are we loving into the kingdom? Who are we being bold enough to do unto others as we would have them do unto us? How are you helping your church minister to the fish that have already been caught? What it's gonna take is we have to dismantle our comfort because of this. We cut off our eternal impact when we wanna keep our comfort intact. We cut off our eternal impact when we wanna keep our comfort intact. And comfort isn't going to work any longer, guys, because the storms are coming. Listen, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there, there's famine, there's disease. You can, you, you, there's fresh memories of all these things. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, that's just the birth pains. That's the initial rumblings, but there's more that's coming. And I believe this, guys, the devil's joy is when Christians remain safe on the shore because our inactivity results in more people drowning. But God's heart is for us to go out deeper, to leave your comfort, to step into conviction, where we're willing to jump in the water and rescue somebody who's drowning. Here's the question today. Are you willing to get wet? Oh, I just got my hair done. Are you willing to get wet? Oh, I don't know. I have a, I have a thing I have to do this afternoon. Are you willing? Are you willing? to inconvenience your comfort and to begin living convictional, to do things that inconvenience yourself for the sake of another soul. Because the world we're living in doesn't even realize it's drowning. Man, they having a party and they loving it. And that's why Jesus says this, Matthew 24, verse 37. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They're having frat parties. They're having a good time. They're going down to the club. They're marrying, giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Therefore, keep watch. Because you don't know the day or the hour the Lord's going to come. Because we live in a world where everybody's living it up. God, especially in America, because you have all these comforts. You have the, the creature comforts. You have money. You have all that stuff that can mask the emptiness of the soul. So people party it up. Yet we know this. The clock is ticking. And the world's having a party while the storm's on the horizon. And we see the raindrops starting to fall. And they just put up an umbrella. But we know this. The umbrella won't save you from the storm that's coming. And so we have to move from comfort to conviction, from security to urgency for the sake of the world. In fact, J.C. Ryle says this. I love this. He was an Anglican bishop. He said, souls are perishing and time is flying. Let us resolve by God's grace to do something for God's glory before we die. Oh, come on, fam. Let us resolve by God's grace to do something for God's glory before we die. 
I don't know about you, I want to hear well done. I don't want to be here like, hmm. All right, I love you, come on in. No, man, I, I, I don't want to live for, I want to live for conviction. Listen, I, I, we only have a few breaths left and God's calling us out deeper. What's our response? I said, I don't know about you. Listen, if I can rewind back, if I can rewind back to being like 18, 19 year old me, I was going to UGA. I had every plan just to like graduate, get married, have 2.3 kids, you know, have Fido in the white picket fence and like attend church and be a good person, drop a little bit in the bucket on Sunday and just kind of ride this thing out, right? Because I had no vision for anything greater than that. And you know what happened to me? I came to victory. (laughs) As a college student in 1998, and Pastor Dennis, the founding pastor of the church, had the audacity to preach the gospel. And it started reforming me, started transforming the way that I thought. I started seeing things differently. I started thinking differently. I started seeing my responsibilities as a Christ follower differently. I started seeing people get saved. I started seeing the gospel put black and white and Latino and Asian people together and old and young together and inner city and suburban together. People of different languages and colors and nationalities together all under one blood, the blood of Jesus. And then me and my girlfriend who I married, put a ring on that, good decision. Me and my girlfriend at that time, um, we started uh, serving in the two-year-old room here, and I had no clue what I was doing. I probably shouldn't have been in there. Let's just be honest about that. Um, but <laughs> I, I, was, I was going to UGA, God's College, Glory, Hallelujah, Go Dogs, and I would come down on the weekends, and we would attend one, and we would serve one. We'd attend a service, and then we would serve a service, Right? And we were stepping into more. And I, I didn't know. I just, I just wanted to help. I just wanted to do something. And then, and then when we got married, we started leading in a small group. And, and I'm just telling you guys, the, the me that I thought that I would be became somebody differently when, when, when I started taking the gospel seriously. When I wasn't just going to church, I actually wanted to be a part of the bride of Christ. I wanted to actually be a disciple of Jesus. It created somebody different in me. It's slowly but surely, I can't even explain it, but it's like the word of God became like a fire shut up in my bones that I just had to talk about Jesus. I couldn't, it wasn't enough to hear somebody else, to go and hear somebody else talk about Jesus. I wanted to talk about Jesus. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I had to do something with this. And and let me tell you guys, Summer and I, our life philosophy is this. What we say is, God, we're not gonna kick doors down. But our commitment to you is this. When you open up the door, we'll walk through it. Our answer is yes. Before God even asks, God, our answer is yes. Whatever it is, yes. And what that does, I'm telling you guys, when you say yes to God, he won't leave you in your comfort. Listen, you're, you got a soul comfort. You, you feel good about, you're not afraid of death anymore. Like there is a comfort in your soul, but that comfort doesn't cause you to go to sleep that comfort causes you to come alive and stop living for comfort and start living for convictional living. And, and, and the more I've walked in this thing, the more I've come to agree with this. Sam Shoemaker, who's the co-founder of AA, here's what he said. He says, I stand by the door. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which people walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside, craving to know where the door is. 
They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that anyone can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch. I admire the people who go way inside, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. Because you can go in too deeply and stay too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old, accustomed place near enough to God to know he's there, but not so far for men as not to hear them and remember they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them. Millions of them. But most important for me, one, two, ten, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I stand by the door. Ah! Come on, fam. How many of you want to stand by the door? No greater call to live for. No greater life to live. No greater death to die than to stand by the Jesus door bringing people inside. And here's what it's going to take. We have to allow our eternal comfort to rescue us from our temporal comfort and to allow our eternal comfort to push us out into convictional living. We got to start thinking bigger. Come on, guys. We got to start living bigger. We got to start praying bigger. We got to start witnessing bigger. We got to start dreaming bigger. We got to start planning bigger. We gotta make preparations for bigger. So here's how we're thinking about it here at Victory. I love this verse, Isaiah 54. He's talking about making your tents bigger. He says, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're gonna need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're gonna take over whole nations. You're gonna resettle abandoned cities. Come on, guys. We have a growing family here at Victory. I don't know about you. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's a growing family. Not a dying family, a growing family. And across all of Victory, listen, guys, we have had supernatural growth this year, okay? Across all of Victory, we have membership class today, um, but before today, we had 2,112 new members in this church, just this year, men, women, children, not just starting to attend, but actually say, no, I want to call this my church home right here. That is supernatural growth across every single campus. Not one campus is standing out. It's true for every single campus. So today, I have three announcements. I have three big announcements. Here's the first one. Victory Vita has been a ministry of victory here for 14 years, for 14 years. But here's our discussion, guys. We have to reach more people. And there's only so many people that, we, that they can reach at a one o'clock service. I don't know if you know, they can't have service at 11 o'clock. Why? Because a lot of you are sitting over in the chapel right now. Okay, And so we can't give them the optimal times when they could actually be reaching more people. So in January, we are launching Victory Vita as a church. And so you're going to hear more information soon, but they're going to be located in Lawrenceville at uh, Discover High School. Uh, they're launching in January. And here's what I love. I mean, this is how God sets these sorts of things up. So they just started looking at the high school that was available, and they discovered that Discover High School is 75% Latino already. Hmm. So here's what's happening. They're going to be able to launch out in January and have services when normal human beings meet. 
And, 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 and so they're gonna start reaching more people and it's gonna open up more seats for us to reach more people here too. Come on, because we gotta reach more people because the family's growing and we gotta be tenders of the door. Okay, that's the first big announcement. Here's the second big announcement. I'm excited to announce. Next year, every campus is launching a new weekend service. Every campus is launching a new weekend service, okay? So right now, every single campus is in overflow at 11 o'clock. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So again, we have our, our big room here. Um, but last week in Midtown, in North Cobb, at Hamilton Mill, there were chairs in every single lobby at 11 o'clock. Okay? So here, here, I need two things. Okay? I need to say two things about this. One, if you call Victory your church home, I'm going to ask you to do something really difficult, 11 o'clock. I'm going to ask you to go to a different service. Okay, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, because you're comfortable. Okay, so. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm pushing hard today, okay. <clears throat> now, here, here's what I'm asking for, okay? If you call Victory your church home, if, if, um, if you're a disciple of Jesus, okay, here's the reality. When somebody goes to church in the South, what time do they go? Here's the problem, the seats are full. And so if somebody comes in and they're like, I'm giving God one shot. And they come in, the traffic's backed up for seven miles and there's no seats. They're like, well, I gave it one shot. I need some people who are willing to free up seats in the 11 o'clock service so that people who don't know Christ can come in and have that seat. Because we have other services. We have other services we can go to, okay? So here's what that means. We're launching another service at every single campus, okay? So North Cobb, they have 9 and 11. They're adding a one o'clock service. This is cool. So Midtown has 9, 11, and 1, so they're actually launching a Sunday night service next year. And Hamilton Mill and Norcross, drum roll, are adding Saturday night service <laughs> at 6 p.m. Remember, you just clapped. Remember that, because I got a word for you in just a second. Um, February 10th and 11th, anniversary weekend of next year, we're bringing Saturday Night Raw back. <laughs> so Why? to reach more people in our ever-growing family. Okay, there's two big announcements. So the first one is launching out Vita. Second is we're adding another service. Here's the third one. You didn't even know this. You're adding a new service too. Here's the deal, guys. If you've been living in the comfort zone, and you know if you have or not, you know if you have. There's a lot of people, I mean, they're really going, but you know if you've been living in the comfort zone. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work serving people. Come on. Here's the question. Here's the question for us. Where are you creating more space in your life to reach more people? So I have a secret. I'm just going to say it. I have, I have a secret. We were going to launch Saturday night service in January. But our team told us we couldn't because we don't have enough people serving. So we had to push it back so we can have today. Why? You're like, oh, things are all taken care of around here. Yeah, because we have people serving one, two, and some even serving three services a weekend, while some serve none. And I don't know about you guys, I'm not okay with that. 
I'm not okay with it. In fact, I just wanna pause right here and say, if you serve in this house, thank you. Can we say thank you, a big corporate thank you? Some of you are on outreach teams. I mean, people all the way from production. That stuff doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen up there. The greeters, the parking lot, people are loving and ministering the gospel to your kids right now. I mean, all across the board, right? Thank you, thank you. But here's the deal, guys. If you call Victory your church home and you're not serving, we need your help. Because let me say it, 2,112 people have joined this church. 2,112 people are not serving this year. So that means we have a lot of people who said, yes, I will serve, and then are not serving. So let me just, let me do an algebra equation because my son, uh, my younger son's in ninth grade. He's doing algebra. Okay, members equal serving. So you know whether or not you're a member of this church now. Whether or not you filled out a form. Members serve. And I know here's what happens. We walk in and we think, oh, it's big, it's great. It's, and it's easy to think, oh, they don't need me. Everything's excellent. Listen, I'm sure every, if you're anything like me, you hear these people sing and you're like, I'm good. I'm good. You know, you walk, it, that's the trap of a big church is you think, oh, they don't need my help. And that's called the bystander effect. So the bystander effect is literally this. It's a phenomenon that says if somebody's getting mugged or whatever it is, the more people who are there watching, the less likely anybody is to do anything about it because everybody thinks somebody else will do something about it. In fact, if, you're, if somebody's getting mugged and you're the only person, you're probably gonna step into that. But there's 40 people, you're like, ah, oh, they got it, Right? And we can be guilty of that here as well. Like you would be surprised in a big church like this across all the campuses, how much duct tape and paper clips keep some of this thing going, right? Because we kind of have the bystander, we have the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work or 90% of the work, or 100% of the work. And First Peter 4 says this, guys, God's given you gifts. You have gifts that are unique to you, that are awesome to you. If you need to be reminded of this, God made you for something great. God put something great on the inside of you. And the glory of God is made fully alive. And one of the greatest things you can do is let those gifts out for his glory and for your good. Listen, you, you, we need you to serve and you need to serve, right? Because you start dying on the inside when you're made for something great, but you just keep it locked up sitting on the shore watching everybody else do the work. So here's the question, okay? Where is your additional service to your family outside of here? How are you serving your family? How are you serving your friends? How are you serving your coworkers? How are you serving your neighbors? And how are you serving in your church? Okay, if this is not your church home, God bless you, go serve in your local church. If this is your church home, today's the day, guys. So let's put it up here. We got the QR code, because everything's a QR code today. <laughs> All right, this is where you can go to get connected to serving. All right, now, now seriously, we need your help, okay? Um, if you clap for Saturday night, you should have your phone out right now, all right? Um, let me say this, okay? Uh, my, my heart conviction is this. I want you to serve where you're gifted and where you're fulfilled, okay? So, uh, but let me say this as well. To, to have that Saturday night service, particularly here at Norcross, um, there's three particular areas, okay? There's guest experience, and you'll see that there. That's new here, and parking lot, and greeters, and ushers, and cafe, all right? Um, and then there's Victory Kids, okay? Let me just say it here, guys. We don't, do, we don't do child care. We do children's ministry, okay? So your kids will leave better than when you left them. That is our core conviction, okay? And the third area that we need, we need help in is production, 
Okay, so some of you are already tech wizards, you're awesome, and you've been like, I just, I feel like it's already good. No, we need your help. Two, maybe you're like, no, I'm not that great at that stuff, that's why we have trainings, okay? So wherever God is leading you to say yes, I'm just gonna ask you to lean in and say yes. Why? Because it's time to push past comfort and to step into convictional living because we were made for something more. We were made for greater living than we have right now. The clock is ticking. We only have a few breaths left. What are we going to do with those breaths? Because the storm is on the horizon. Here's the beautiful thing, guys. When it started raining, right? Noah's family was on the boat and then God closed the door. The good news is today is the door is still open to come on the ark. And that ark's name is Jesus Christ. And so we've been saved by grace through faith in his name alone in order to do good works in his name. And it's time to get to work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads real quick. Let's bow our heads. Father, right now, we, um, we need to do something. We really do. We need to do something that's good for our souls. A lot of us who are followers of Christ today, we just need to repent because we've been living honestly in selfishness. We've been living honestly in the comfort zone, wanting to be attenders of things, consumers of things, but not really contributors. And I'm not just even talking about in the church. I'm talking about out there. And so today, God, we need to say we repent for our selfishness. We repent for, for living in perpetual comfort and always saying, well, I'm gonna pray about that. And we've been praying about it for like 20 years, but we've never taken a step into that type of convictional living. And I think this is good for our hearts today, guys. And I'm gonna be the first one who raises my hand. If you say, I've been kind of living in that comfort zone, but today God's calling me out of that comfort zone. If you're a follower of Christ even, come on, lift your hands and say, God, today I received the call of God to step out of my comfort zone into convictional living. I've been saved to do good works. I'm not saved by my good works, but I'm saved to do good works. <laughs> and so today, God, as the people of God, as the followers of Christ, God, we say it's time to get off the shore. God, we agree it's time to press past the shallows. And it's time to go out into a deeper way of living, living for more than just me, but living for God's glory in the world around me, at church, at home, in the world around us, everywhere we go to live convictionally. Yeah, you can put your hands down. Last thing is this, I don't want anybody to leave without knowing how to get on the ark. <laughs> there is a way to be saved and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except by him, by faith in his finished work on the cross. And so today that door's still open. There will come a day when that door is closed, but today that door is open. And if today God is calling you to himself and you feel this at the deepest place of who you are, and you can say, with my life, I'm ready to leave my old life and give my life to Jesus. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray with you and family of God around these guys. Let's pray together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, I deeply believe you are the son of God who died on the cross so I could be free and forgiven. And I believe you rose again and you're alive. So right now, I repent of my sin. I leave the old me behind all my selfishness all my greed, I leave me there. And I leave the dark to come into the light in faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, I confess Jesus Christ is my King and my Savior. And I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. 
I receive forgiveness. I receive freedom. I receive adoption. I'm a child of God the rest of my days. Help me not to live for comfort, but Holy Spirit, help me to live by conviction. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give glory to God.